everyone. We're here at the Guillotine Girls podcast. I am Madeline Mythos, and I'm here with everyone's favorite hootie tootie disco cutie, Queen Cujo. I feel loved. We're going to sip some creamy cocktails, and we're going to disco all night with you people. Because today, we're going to get greasy with the film, which is the reason celluloid was invented. Mm. A film that has touched the lives of millions and made just their overall existence on this planet better. The Greasy Strangler. Uh, yeah, an all Greasy Strangler episode. <laughs> As you can tell, one of us is very excited, and the other... Not so much. She she just she has to watch it a few more times, and she'll be up there. Um... I don't know about that. <laughs> I think two is my limit. <laughs> and yeah, that's 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 enough for me to do any of that. I, <laughs> I pretty much have Michael St. Michael's sweet potato wiener <laughs> gorned into my brain right now. Before we go into the movie a little bit more, um, did you have do you have anything that you recently like checked out, bought, watched? Well, like a lot of people, yesterday I picked up uh, Three from Hell, which I was planning on trying to be more responsible and wait till payday, but then someone posted that uh, a Disco Sucks t-shirt came with it. Yeah. Was, oh, yep, mine. And I flew out of bed, threw on pants, and went to Walmart immediately around... 8.15 in the morning and picked it up. Holy crap. Well, okay, I heard weird things about that, that it comes, the Disco Suck shirt comes in certain sizes, supposedly. I, mine came in a large, and there weren't, and there wasn't anything on the um, packaging indicating sizes. That's which, so weird. On some of those, they do that. Like, you'll, I forget what pack came with, a t-shirt uh it was some superhero movie and they had like you know small m l this one not i mean i don't i don't care it's a surprisingly good quality and very soft shirt for coming with a movie i might pick it up i don't know it really depends i i have to watch it i guess because i've been i think i binge watch house of the thousand corpses and then i also binge watched the devil's reject because i wanted to remember sid Haig. so that's what i did yeah and so I was like, all right, yeah, maybe I do need to see Three from Hell, you know? I would say, yeah, everyone should see it. If you liked... The weird thing for me is it's a very good meld of Devil's Rejects and House of a Thousand Corpses. Like, I, House of a Thousand Corpses holds a very dear place in my heart because I remember when it was announced and anyone who followed that, it was utter hell for him to get this thing out there so we could see it. And you got to be very patient. And I always love the imagery. But then Devil's Rejects, it kind of lost all that very artsy imagery that Rob Zombie is pretty damn good at. Mm-hmm. And then this one, it combines the two so well. Because it still has some of the great cinematography and fantastic use of music. But it still has some of that pretty rough brutality that Rejects had. I'll give it the college try. I'm not guaranteed if I have it. I, I know that it'll probably be better than candy corn. <laughs> I still have to see candy corn. I, uh, no, I'm... I, I have to see it. I, okay, 
at it's a like convention. A train wreck. <laughs> I accidentally pretty roughly chest bumped PJ Souls because I was going into a bathroom and she was coming out of it. Oh shit. <laughs> and I feel like like it was rough. It was embarrassing. So I have to watch all her movies as a way of saying I'm very sorry. Like, oops, sorry, I I fucking almost made you fly across the bathroom because I was trying yeah. to get in. Yeah, I really had to go. <laughs> Oops. I almost took out PJ Souls because I had to go to the bathroom so bad. It, Shit, when you gotta pee, you gotta pee. Shit. I actually went and saw... This is so bad. I went and saw Three from Hell Monday. For the poster, right? For the poster, <laughs> which I gotta say, it's a pretty sweet poster. I, I, I don't feel ashamed of myself. I really don't. Oh my god, yes. Is it... Is, it has Richard Brake on it. Of course you're going to get it, man. Yep, it's got Richard Brake on it. And it has Ch- uh, Bill Mosley. If we ever do Bill Mosley movies, I have a very bad habit of just calling him Chop Top. Of course. That's his best role. Yeah. Um, I remember him. I remember watching Unsolved Mysteries and he played like some religious fanatic that comes into an elementary school with a bomb. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, that's oh. fucking Bill Mosley. Holy fuck. It doesn't say anything in his IMDb or anything like that that he was on. But I'm like, I'm looking at his face. I'm like, that's fucking Bill Mosley. Crazy ass Bill Mosley. Yeah, I I watched Unsolved Ministries all the time. And I remember seeing that episode and just freaking out and like getting all excited. My father was so confused. Like, who the fuck is that? (laughs) And it's crazy because Richard Brake does a lot of... um, He was just... On this show, I think, I'm not sure if it's an A&E show or uh, what, but it's about stalkers. Mm-hmm. These people who've dealt with um, really terrifying stalkers. And he plays this crazy Vietnam vet who's stalking this woman. And he, like, buys her her favorite type of donut. And he's just pressed up against the car door, screaming that he got her this donut. He's, like, pushing the donut into the car window, like, yeah. I bought you this donut. <laughs> yeah, practically. And it's, is that what horror movie actors do when they're on their downtime? They yeah, do when they're not making horror practice. movies. They're, I would have been, my fat ass would have been like, yeah, can, can I open the door so I can get the donut from you? <laughs> I don't even give a shit what else you want. Just give me the fucking donut. I would have opened up the car door for Richard Bray, but uh, I bet you would. <laughs> You're like, hey, daddy, how's it going? <laughs> you want to share this donut with me? Oh, my God. I could see that. <laughs> but besides your three from hell excursion to get oh. the disco suck shirt, what else? Have you picked up anything? No, I was a pretty good girl on my trip. There, there's, there wasn't really any post stuff at the play. Mm-hmm. There was a film festival there, so there were some t-shirts um, of, of course, Irv, like Headless Horseman stuff, because it was right in Sleepy Hollow. And there was stuff from a festival. They showed Fan of the Paradise and some other movies, but... Oh, that's awesome. We yeah. didn't know, we were both off for a week from the show. I was celebrating my birthday. Madeline was um, stalking her future husband, Jeffrey Combs. <laughs> oh, man. He, I, you know what? This is my advice to everyone listening. Save up your money. Start saving it now because he seems to do this every year somewhere around Halloween. And even if you have to travel across the U.S., see this play. It is so well done. 
And you can tell that a lot of research and care and love went into it. It was mind-blowing. Somehow, I love Jeffrey Combs and Edgar Allan Poe even more. And I didn't even know that was possible. Your two worlds combined. Yeah, I mean, that man... Combs is... He's a good actor, but him on the stage, that's... You can tell that's that's where he loves to be. Yeah, because that's where he started, I feel like it is. I oh, love, yeah. Oh, yeah. I love the makeup that the prosthetics they used and everything, the wigs on him for this, you know, this play. And I wish I went. And I fucking hate you so fucking much for going. I'm sorry. <laughs> Ever you're... I know, I'm terrible. And it, oh, and I felt kind of bad. I'm like, it would be so cool if Krista was here. Because <laughs> none of the nah, other... I understand <laughs> I have this big grin on my face. Yeah, he's... Oh, that He is so good. Like, it really, at some point, you forget that it's a guy playing Poe up there. Because he looks just like him. Mm, I can't stop talking about it. Yeah, my family is annoyed. <laughs> I'm jealous. I'm fucking jealous. Save up. I mean, hopefully he does it again next year. I want to start saving up, and I'll travel to see it again. It was that impressive. All right, besides your, your, yeah. you try to keep your chill when it comes to, like, merch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> certain merch in that whole area, the whole uh, Edgar Allan Poe theater thing with Jeffrey Combs. But that's pretty much it, or no? Man, thinking about it, uh, I, I, of course, on the trip, listen to our podcast, because what else are you going to listen to? Ever. I can't listen to my own voice, I guess. I have a hard time. I have a hard time with the same thing, but I was like, I need to actually sit down and really listen and not skip through because I have that same issue. I was like, I don't know. I I like us. I think we have a cool podcast and everyone should listen to us and recommend us to their friends, their their family, co-workers. These two crazy bitches that don't stop talking about fucking Bill Mosley and Jeffrey Combs and Richard Brake all together. Yeah, that's... We're entertaining. I, I, I like us. I would listen to us if I wasn't one of us. I don't know. <laughs> but, yeah, that was about it. You know, picking up Three from Hell. Um, with the shirt. And then... The Nightbreed is on its way. It's coming from the UK, so maybe I'll get it by December. I don't know. Holy fuck. And that's a, that's a shout factory. No. Arrow. Arrow. Oh, fuck. Yep, Arrow. And it's a Blu-ray with a nice little cover and everything, right? Oh, yeah. It's got um, some beautiful cover art, mostly of uh, Decker. And it's like a red and a black. Naturally, one of the selling factors is that it comes with wall art because I don't have enough. Do you have the space for the wall art? You know what? Anything is possible when it comes to interior design. For me... I don't know. Since it's October, everybody goes crazy and everybody buys out all kinds of horror movies. Whether it's like a three pack, a two pack, whether it's a Blu-ray, I go to Walmart and it's like slim pickings. And we were in search for like it's a two pack on Blu-ray and it's the Adams Family because I like to watch like the kids horror movies or the kids like Halloween movies during this time. And that took forever to fucking look for that fucking Blu-ray. But I found it, and I was so happy and everything. Um, I'm still looking for the 
four-pack DVD of the Critters movies because I do not want to spend 50 bucks on a Blu-ray with all of them. This is too much for Critters. I'm trying to remember if my Walmart had it. Is that something only Walmart carries, the Critters? I I just see it. You Mm -hmm. know, you always see, like, different movies mashed up, and I never see it at Target and in any other place but Walmart. It's so crazy how Walmart has one of the best film selections now. Yeah, for only for five bucks, you can... That's how I found... That's how I found friggin' Silent Night, Deadly Night on Blu-ray was in a bin at fucking Walmart. Go figure. (laughs) I'm in search for the fucking Critters four-pack, just with just all the movies in there, because I just want to binge-watch Critters and then watch all the terrible stuff on Shudder and everything like that. Wait, wouldn't it be a five-pack now? I think so. I'm not sure. I mean, Critters... Critters 4, I remember, was in space with Brad Dourif. Yeah, I think I'll be lost at, at Critters 4. I'm like, why am I still watching this? Because <laughs> Brad Dourif is in it. Oh, yeah. Really the only reason to watch Critters 4, because usually when it's in space, it has to be so ridiculous it's hilarious. Hence Jason X, one of the best movies ever made. I love Jason X. <laughs> oh, me too. I watched that in the theaters. That's how old I am. <laughs> so did I. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Little $1 theater where some 16-year-old kid is up there and doesn't care that some little kid is buying a ticket to go see Jason X. That was before the whole controversy of having to be ID'd before going to see the South Park movie. That's pretty much... That's like, we never had that issue until everybody started freaking out about that shit. And it's like, it's a rated R movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All that crazy shit that's going on. Yeah, we got to live life back in the day yeah now now that my kid's a certain age i take her i'm like well which movie do you want to see and her first ever r-rated movie was child's play (laughs) and she liked it uh she also told me she's like i want to watch the the you know the it movie when it comes out as well and so yeah we went and she has an understanding of horror movies it just baffles my mind, but then again, the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree, I guess. Yeah, I've noticed, like, the horror families in the scene, the kids are into it, like, right there with the parents, with a lot of them. Uh, there's some where it's, like, hardcore metal families, and the daughters of hardcore Dora the Explorer fan. Recently, anything, have you watched anything other than Jeffrey Combs swaggering around <laughs> on stage. Uh, his drunken swagger that he's, he does as Poe is mesmerizing. Uh, I bet. You had to roll your tongue back into your mouth, didn't you, ma'am? <laughs> <laughs> the two guys that were sitting beside me were so like, what is it with this broad? <laughs> She's like fanning herself constantly. Calm down, woman. Jesus. <laughs> oh, I watched Creep Show. The, the new series? Show. Yep, the new Creepshow series. Which what do you think? I think it stayed very true. Creepshow 1, which mm-hmm. is my personal favorite. Oh, uh, the yeah. sequels I could have lived without, but I, I, they brought back those great, like, comic book inspired, like, freeze frames. And, oh, it, I, I really loved it. I haven't watched Creepshow in forever, so it was kind of like... Visiting an old favorite childhood cartoon. Mm-hmm. And of course, Jeffrey Combs was in an episode in full SS gear. Playing the fucking 
head Nazi. I didn't even know he was in it. I knew he was in it when I when I saw like the reviews on it, uh-huh. and I was like, "Oh shit, yeah, he signed up for this shit. Holy crap!" Um, the first episode, of course, I think is like an homage to the original film, and I was like, "It's okay, you know, it doesn't like drive me crazy." It's great to see Adrian Barbero, uh, John Carpenter's ex-wife. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, it's cool to see like all these old actors from you know just those days coming back in, and it's great. The storyline could have been a little bit better. I the, did you see the Dollhouse one? I put it in at the end of the night. I think I fell asleep. <sighs> the Dollhouse, yeah, the Dollhouse one was like, eh, it it didn't it didn't scare me. It was interesting to watch, but at the end, I'm like, eh, okay. Maybe we could have written that a little bit different. Yeah, I some I got talking to some people about it, and they said some of the episodes were just hit hit or miss. Mm-hmm. Um, which you know kind of is like the sequel to the, the creepshow movie. movies. Oh my god, they were very disappointing. I, you know, but that happens. That happens now with series. I I liked that it stayed very loyal to Creepshow. Mm-hmm. It didn't really go off the reins, even if some of the stories weren't that impressive. And I have to say, I was happy that the host... No, not really the host. What would you call him? The corpse with the long hair. The ghostly host. The ghostly host. The ghostly host. It looked like at some scenes they were definitely using a puppet. Mm Mm-hmm. Which, you know, thank you. Thank you so much for not just going full CGI. Yeah, don't fucking bring that CGI bullshit on that show, please. Yeah. What else? Um, yeah, but so far, like, I'm watching the series and I'm kind of having an understanding of it. It's not bad, but it's not going to blow my mind like the movie does. And, yeah, that's my concept on it, that it's in the same realm. It's like, okay... It'll get better with time if you just keep on it and just, you know, just watch and see what they're pulling out of their ass for this and see how good it'll get. Or maybe it's not. Oh, well, at least we had a series. Yeah. Is it a case of, is it kind of like Masters of Horror where it's all different writers for each episode? I think so. I think it is different writers. I could be wrong, but I feel like it is. Like, it's a different person writing, you know, a segment in each one. Yeah, I'll... After this, I'll put it on again because I'm awake, full of espresso. Caffeinated. Right, nice and caffeinated. Oh, yeah. So um, do you have any current obsessions or, or watches that you had this week? Well, I already have stated what I, what I recently watched, which was fucking Body Bags, which was on... It's on Shudder. Have you seen this? Oh, I love Body Bags. John Carpenter is as good in front of the camera mm-hmm. as he is behind it he it's is so funny it's <laughs> weird i am not used to this shit seeing him act but he acts so creepy and cool and i, I like i remember watching this as a kid and being terrified i remember they showed this on showtime and it fucking scared me but i kept watching it like an idiot and I watch it again and I go, God, he's really good at acting. And he's like, fucking plays that creepy part so fucking well, you know? And like, you see all these different horror movie directors in this at, as actors, which is fucking weird, too. You get Wes Craven in there and a drunk looking Wes Craven. And then you get Tobe Hooper. And it's just, 
oh my god it was weird but they had so many people in it and usually when somebody has a lot of people that are famous in a movie i'm like oh no it's gonna suck yeah that's one of the exceptions to the rule that Mm -hmm. movie and i think john carpenter really just makes it as great as it is because he is so entertaining i remember just waiting for the some of the stories to end which i feel bad saying i'm like because i want to see john carpenter again yeah (laughs) i think my favorite one oh jesus my favorite one is the one with stacy keach in it where he's like obsessed with having hair Uh, little snakes yeah but the weirdest thing is is that like greg nicotine you know Nicotero is in this fucking show as a man walking his long-haired ass dog, and Greg Nicotero, way back in the day, looked like fucking Fabio with his long ass hair. You know, if you've ever seen like From Dusk Till Dawn, he's the one where he gets into like a fight with Savini, and fucking Savini pulls out his fucking gun cock. You know, his sex machine. That's what I was kind of like, you know, yelling at my husband when I was waiting in line at TFW to get stuff signed. I was like, yeah, sex machine! I'm like, he's gonna think I'm a fucking weirdo. Hey, you look at that man, even now, he still carries that name. Like, 70-something years old, 72, I think, and still gorgeous and muscular as fuck. I saw him at I think it was Monster Mania in -hmm. Pittsburgh. And he's from Pittsburgh, so he'll come to the conventions. Like, he's not even announced. And he was, like, checking out some of the movies we had at the Severin table. And I didn't say anything to him. I just kind of stared at... And smiled. And I, I'm sure I had the dopiest look on my freaking face. Like, because <laughs> he... Oh, his arms are the size of my head. He's a really nice-looking guy. Yeah, he, and he's a tank. He is a Italian stallion. God. <laughs> There's a YouTube video out there, and it's from this one um, channel called Grim Life Collective. They had an interview, and they also, like, toured the school that he, you know, he's a part of, and that they toured his home. And I'm like, that's my fucking home, basically, is Tom Savini's home. That's, oh, yeah. I would live there. I love watching house tours that he does or interviews in his house because he just, it's, it is like every horror fan's dream home. It's cool. Mm-hmm. And it's a really nice house. And like a lot of the, the, the interior shots of this house, it's like, that looks very familiar, of course, because everything's from the Knight Riders movie. Oh, yeah. Like the I scene. love that movie. Yeah, I love it too. I watched it this year and I was like oh my god I'm so in love with it and and then you realize you're like Ed Harris has always been fucking balding for the longest time <laughs> he has he's still hot he's still hot as a balding man he's he's gorgeous still I was trying and I, I should probably start looking again but there is a Knight Riders poster with Tom Savini in these little this little like cod piece what laid out on a couch or like a chase with these two girls with him and i was like i need that poster for my house and i need it signed (laughs) it is such like tom savini knows exactly how hot he freaking is he (laughs) he knows oh my god oh dear lord jesus oh gee yeah i think i remember that scene and i'm like oh my god it's so fucking cheesy but i can't take my fucking eyes off of it 
<laughs> I will look for that poster or I'll just get a picture printed out of him. <laughs> it says like, okay, now I found a picture of it. It says Night Riders and it's like a couch made of that and he's yeah. just all these two women with princess crowns and shit. <laughs> Isn't it magnificent? It's I, so amazing. <laughs> I yeah, I rather watch this than fucking watch watch the greasy strangler. But, you know, we can both agree we rather watch Night Riders than The Dead Don't Die. Well, yeah, I, I pretty much agree with that. I think we're obligated to mention how bad we hate that movie. <laughs> Every episode. We have to. We shit on that movie. Every fucking episode, I think. How can you not? I just, I can't anymore with it. I'm like, yeah, if if you want to torture me, just leave me in a room with the dead don't die, and there, there you go. <laughs> just the disc. You don't even have to put it in. No, 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 either. I mean, if you really want to fuck with me, you'll put it in, basically. And I'm like, oh, guess what? I'm going to pull that bitch out, and I'm going to break it and fucking set it on fire and just hope it just... Yeah, never comes back. Oh, I got some bad news. Oiker is dead. Okay, so now I'm shit scared, Janet. Hello. I'm calling because I think it just might be possible my dad, Ronnie, is the greasy strangler. Now you probably think I'm the greasy strangler. I never said that. Tell you a secret. I am the Greasy Strangler. Hey, I call bullshit on that. (laughs) I could feast on that queen's ass all night long. When I first saw the movie, I remember being very concerned for him and then about a third of the way through realizing it was a prosthetic piece. (laughs) It's convincing. That poor man. Just flailing in the car wash. (laughs) Such a good movie. Thank you, Jim Hosking, for blessing us with this in 2016. Yeah, thanks a lot, Jim. Jesus Christ. (laughs) (laughs) I, I don't hate it. There are actually some tidbits. There's some actually really interesting things about this movie that I do like, you know, that it has like a Tim and Eric kind of feel to it. And that it's just this, the soundtrack is so fucking weird. Oh, the music is great. It's yeah. catchy and it gets stuck in your head. It's like basically, you know, you have a keyboard that you got for Christmas from your aunt <laughs> and that's the music that comes from it. Yeah. I, that's how I feel about it. But it works it. well with the movie. Like, it's, I have to say, it's a very bizarre movie, but it's very well put together. Like, everything flows pretty smoothly. No? I. Is that just me? I think, well, no, it's perfectly edited very well. Um, and then this is also, what is this, executive produced by Elijah Wood? Yeah. I never knew that until I read up about it. I'm like, holy fuck, holy fuck, really? Oh, he was all over the place promoting it with the um, bright pink greasy beanie, which um, 
Christmas is coming up, folks, and Madeline has been on the hunt for one of those for the past two years. So, if you love Madeline, mail her a greasy strangler beanie and we'll be best friends. Good luck with that, dude. (laughs) Hey, I tried. I even um, got in touch with the company. It's London... 1888. Yes. And uh, apparently they still have some, but they're going to re-release them at some point. I just anxiously wait by their website for that day. Just cross your, you know, cross your fingers and wait. It was released in January 22nd of 2016 at Sundance and then released nationwide on October 7th. Um, box office was 45 Wow, forty five thousand! Holy shit! Because it was, you know, independent in a way, right? Yeah, I'm not sure if this got a theatrical, like a regular theatrical release anywhere, even uh, limited. Mm-hmm. When I first saw it, it was at a friend's house. They the Blu-ray had just come out. We threw it in. It was like after thinking about the movie somewhat obsessively for three days, I just fell in love. You've worn out your copy of The Greasy Strangler and Heavy Rotation, haven't you? I'm kind of shocked I have not worn this Blu-ray out. Like, it's kind of one of those Blu-rays that just permanently sits on top of my player. There's really no point in me putting it back on the shelf because it's going to come off the shelf the next day. Mm-hmm. It's it's my happy place, this movie. It's one of my happy places. <laughs> I still get these weird Tim and Eric vibes from it. I never watched Tim and Eric. You have to be really stoned to enjoy, like, Tim and Eric. Uh, yeah, really stoned, and then, you know, staying up till, like, 2 o'clock in the morning, fucking playing video games, and put on Adult Swim after that. Okay. It's yeah. one of those. Oh, yeah. When I first saw it, I described it to someone, because it was, like, we got it, like, the day it came out and watched it, so at the convention that we went to after, people were talking about it, and I described it as... If Lloyd Kaufman tried to do a touching father and son tale. <laughs> no, no. I said if Lloyd Kaufman got together with John Waters and tried to do a touching father and son tale. That's like, what I. Okay. Now I remember. Yeah. I was like, no, there's a John Waters feel to this movie. It's, but it's definitely its own monster mm-hmm. in a way. It's it, a cult. It It's already got cult status. It's gross. But it's endearing in a strange way. It's bizarre, but you can't take your eyes away from it. And even, like, Big Ronnie as a character is an asshole. Like, he's a total asshole, man. He's a prick. But you kind of love him still. Like, he's that lovable person that bullshits about everything and just tells the most outrageous stories that you know are complete crap and never happened. Because he makes a living off of being a pathological liar because the tour and just goes random places and just makes up shit like this is where the Bee Gees all hung out. Yeah. (laughs) Before they got discovered. Do you remember the earth, the wind, and the fire? They happened to use this toilet once. Right here. Talk about those outfits. My God. They're matching pink outfits. Oh, those were those. I love those outfits. <laughs> you know what's funny is I was watching the commentary and they were commenting on how comfortable 
those pink outfits and then the striped kind of purple outfits were. They walk around in their fucking thongs and everything, and I'm, I'm like, wow, that's a lot for me to process right now. Just watching guys that don't have bodies with fucking thongs walking around. I, I don't know. It took me halfway through to completely forget about the nudity. Or implied nudity, since it's prosthetic pieces, you know. Mm-hmm. To the point where I was like, I should bring this over and show my folks. It's really funny. It's like, no. oh, no. My Maybe mom, I shouldn't. <laughs> my mom would be like, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> where did I go wrong? <laughs> yeah, what the fuck did I do? My daughter's a fucking weirdo watching movies like this. Yeah, that's what my mother would fucking say. Or she would probably try to, like, throw holy water on me or some shit like that. Sorry, Mom. (laughs) I'm pretty sure that after reading my little bio about myself, my folks are just kind of like, yep, that's Madeline. We'll support her doing this podcasty thing, but we're not gonna freaking listen to it. Mm -mm. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh. Like, it is kind of hard to talk about this movie i'm gonna look at my notes because i did take a few of those your bible of notes over there ma'am weirdly i like i thought i remember you said i'm sure you have a dictionary of notes and i only have halfway down a page i think maybe because i i've watched it so many times still more than what i have (laughs) (laughs) do you have a favorite scene or kill the first scene, okay, the first scene where as he is as the greasy strangler, and he kills the three tourists that are trying to get fucking potato chips out of a goddamn you know vending machine. That was interesting because when he when they try to like rush him, when the two guys that are left try to rush him, I don't. It's the fucking weirdest fucking practical effect, but I I actually like it about this movie. I he punches the guy in the face and the guy's face like fucking caves in kind of like like flat like he hit uh, a brick wall head on and everything smushed in and his eyes like bulged out kind of that's a good scene I liked a lot I liked that kill too I was I remember when watching it I was surprised at how smooth the CGI effect was yeah because the type of movie it is, you kind of, I, I don't know, I kind of expected when the kills started that it was going to be very um, cheap and lame and, you know, way too bloody for their own good. But no, they're actually pretty good kills in this movie. It's interesting. I, yeah, I like the whole... It, the whole eyeball popping out scenes, that's kind of pretty normal with this movie. Mm-hmm. The hot dog vendor that has his own little Winnebago with the door wide open with the toilet, I guess to air that shit out. I don't know. That Sir, scene. I cannot do that. I will lose my license. <laughs> oh, he was so fun. <laughs> oh my God. Um, that was a good scene, but also the one where it was, um... Janet? Yeah, Janet, played by Elizabeth Desrazo. She <laughs> was in Eastbound and Down, and so she, I guess she had sex. Oh, she's from Laredo, okay. She's from Laredo, Texas, I never knew that. Oh. So I guess after she sleeps or spends the night with Brayden, 
she goes and like greets fucking Ron down in in the kitchen, and he's pouring like a vat of fucking grease on his fucking grapefruit, and he's just doing it all slowly and shit, and he's pouring it on, and this fucking thing has a fucking cherry on top of it, and he's like, oh yeah, would you like a greasy uh, grapefruit? And he's all playing with it, and I'm like, ugh. I don't want I don't want breakfast now. I really don't fucking want breakfast now. I'm gonna puke. <laughs> this old man philandering this fucking gate grapefruit to make it look like, you know, like he's fiddling her lady parts and shit like that. I'm like, no, fuck that. Uh, I'll go I'll go I'll go get food. See you later. <laughs> I have to give Michael St. Michaels and Elizabeth DeRazo actually I have to give all the actors in this movie credit for just keeping a straight face during some of these scenes because Mm -hmm. i cannot watch the grapefruit scene without (laughs) completely losing my shit it's so random and it's so gross and funny and the intense look that he keeps in staring at her just makes it even better (laughs) That's that's method acting right there. It's just basically waiting for somebody to hit to yell cut to be mm-hmm. done with all that while he's like, Is this right? Am I doing this right? Can we get can we can we finish this bullshit so I can go wash my fucking hands? <laughs> in, in his face, he just dives into the grapefruit. It's like, oh my god. <laughs> I'm dry heaving just fucking thinking about that right now. It's right after that is the peeing scene, which is another fun one. She spent the whole day hanging around with them, and she's like in the bathroom, just going to the bathroom, and Big Ron's all like, yeah, I gotta brush my fucking teeth. I was hoping to watch you pee. I'm like, ew. Peeing's private. I'm gonna try to stop quoting the movie. <laughs> no, it's fine if you quote it. It's good. I really could do it. A one-woman show at this point of the Greasy Strangler. <laughs> it is sad. I even have the dance down. The one where he has like the jumpsuit with the fucking crotch cut out of it. Is that is that the scene? Yes. Okay. Well, if there is ever a dance floor, whenever we hang out, like we got to do that dance. Agreed. <laughs> we have to. One of us gets married, which probably be you. <laughs> I'm gonna totally. Show up in that outfit. Not really, but you know. I was going to say, I won't say anything, but I'm not sure my grandmother would really approve. What the fuck? Yeah, every, no, no, just joking. Um, definitely would be dancing like that. It's, God, I love this movie. I, oh. I just am obsessed with this movie. I'm, I'm friends with Michael St. Michael's on Facebook. And what? he wished me a happy birthday. Oh, that's so nice of him. And it was one of the best things that has ever happened to me in my life. Like, he didn't just put it on my page. He direct messaged me happy birthday. Oh. And I was like, thank you. He responded again. And I was like, oh, I Big Ron, he likes me. <laughs> Aw. I wish that he would do more, you know, appearances, him and Sky at different conventions. I would definitely want to get a picture, but yeah. I don't know. This is this is such a weird movie. I love it, but then I'm like, I can't fucking sit through it. <laughs> <laughs> they they do conventions now and that. It seems like once a year I see photo sets of people with them 
and they're wearing like usually the pink costumes or there was a convention where they even got into those like grease covered looking suits. I never saw that. They're always been like shirtless and like it's usually somebody that has their hat like Michael St. Michael's hands are wrapped around their neck. I'm like, all right, cool. That That's a cool little photo op. But I've never yeah. seen the suit and I've never seen the pink suit or anything like that. No, they've never been to a convention around me. I, I wish. I want them to go to TFW. I want somebody different to go to fucking TFW because it's been a little bit... The people they've been putting out there, it's like, who the fuck was this again? Oh, he got killed the first fucking movie? Nah, whatever. You know, it's like people you don't really care about that haven't really gustered up that cult classic actor vibe, you know? Yeah, like... um. I don't want to name anything specific because this is this person's just a kid, but um, a kid played a part in a popular movie and they died. Like they're really just playing a zombie for almost three minutes. <laughs> and if you think that they aren't milking that at every freaking con, and it's kind of like, wait, you're practically an extra. It's weird. It's just weird how, like, you can develop a fan base, but it depends on what movie, what type of character, and how long you've been in the movie, basically, that kind of garnish that up. But, yeah, people hate, like, weird things, like, so-and-so was an extra, or what was it? it was He was in Plan B from night, from Outer Space, and he was also, like, Edward's friend, and he played, like, cop number two and he's still like he still goes to fucking conventions i can't even remember his name <laughs> yeah like um but this one kid i've seen them at a lot of conventions and i don't go to conventions that often mm-hmm. and it's kind of it's not like people go up and ask for their autograph or anything yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like do more take the time you're where you're at conventions and go to auditions and do more roles you know and build up something where you come to conventions and people are waiting in line for you. Yeah, it seems like that, too, because every convention um, around here, and I have no issues with this, but Michael Berryman's always there, which I love him. Michael Berryman's freaking fantastic, so he can come to him all the time. Yeah. Uh, the guy who, he has a band now, but he was the first Jason. He was in the first film as little kid to form Jason. Yeah, um, Ari Lehman, right? Yes, yes. I see him a lot, and but yeah, it always does seem to be the same people, so they should mix it up. I actually really kind of deep-dived. When they go to the horror house, I swore that, I don't know where they got the names from, but these are, I think they just made these up, because I thought these might be old exploitation films or something, like In Bed with Mother, (laughs) Banana Cold, In Bed with Grandfather. The Ginger Viking and Men with Red Faces. <laughs> now, if anyone listening knows if that is actually, who knows? This is Jim Hosking. He clearly has an imagination. That could be poems he likes. That could be random things he came up with. And those might be independent films that I could not find when I Googled them. We talked a lot about Big Ronnie. We got to talk about Big Brayden, the very embodiment of cringe. <laughs> a poor, poor Brayden. Yeah. Poor. I mean, Sky Elbar really made this character a 
adorable and extremely pathetic. Aw. Like, he, it's hard to watch him sometimes. It's like, oh, God, no. <laughs> Brayden. And he's Brayden got some him. skills. He's got some skills for picking up the ladies because he's, you know, he's nice and he's sweet and he's not showing people his ass like his dad <laughs> is. He's got a sweet side. He's, you know, very nice. Because Big Ronnie likes to shout. Brayden likes to smile. <laughs> I do kind of, one thing I loved about that scene is his pants were down the entire time they were talking and they it's like, oh, oh yeah, him, I forgot. Help me pull my fucking pants up. That whole first part really just, really sucks you in. Just like, I have to say, like, they do a good job with that. It's almost like a Law and Order episode. After you watch that first part, it's kind of like, well, now I know need to know how this baby ended up in the middle of Fifth Avenue. With a chainsaw. Continue watching the train wreck, as always. That's how I feel. I'm like, I can't fucking take my fucking eyes off of this. Just the free drinks scene. (laughs) Which there wasn't. (laughs) Free drinks, free drinks. No, you don't get no free drinks. I believe in the power of free drinks. (laughs) Some water would be great. Just beautiful randomness. To fill our lives. Brayden talks about his weird childhood living with his mom before he came back to Ron. And just like her dick boyfriend, how he was to him. When he was 18. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) About being, he's like, yeah, he would make me punch him in the stomach. And then I would have to do like just weird shit. And I guess that's why he's like, yeah, I'm just going to go live with my fucking weird ass compulsive lying dad. Right. (laughs) Slapped my stomach and called me Fatty Boom Boom. <laughs> God. Oh my goodness. What else? I can't think of anything. I do feel sorry for Bra- you know, Brayden, but in the end, like he runs off with Janet and then he he's like, well, I could be greasy too, you know, and he fucking jumps into that big vat of fucking grease and joins his father... Like, you know, just killing Janet. I always thought that was fucking weird. Um, so they run off like a bunch of assholes. You know, I that was interesting. Just them, you know, just once they do that, they kind of have like a bonding experience where they're like, you know, hey, that girl wasn't shit. I'm your family. I love you. You know, I was 16 when I had you. Things like that. And then they show kind of like the whole bonding experience, like the father and son, you know, even though they never really met eye to eye, mm-hmm. they, you know, they love each other. They really deep down inside love each other. And so they go and who was they? Who was the last person they killed? I can't remember who the fuck that was. Pickley. Oh, Oinker? No, 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 not Oinker. After Oinker. That scene was also fucking weird, too, where he takes off oh, the wait. fucking nose. Ricky Prickles? Yeah, Ricky Prickles is the last one. Prickles. And you finally see this man, and he is not as impressive as Brayden described. I was like, (laughs) really? Because I was expecting that randomly they were going to get like Lou Ferrigno. Nope. Or something. (laughs) And no. They kill the the mother's dickhead boyfriend. Yeah, who happens to be in the middle of the woods. 
And it's like he says, oh, yeah, I'm a competitive runner. And then fucking asshole trips over something and they kill his ass. I was like, that's that's justice right there. Yeah, that's what you get for making Brayden vomit all over himself by making him do sit-ups, you bitch. Yeah. But yeah, the oinker scene where where he takes off the fake, you know, the pig nose and you see oinker's deformed nose. He sticks his whole fucking finger in there. Oh, my God. Can't unsee that shit anymore. No, I kind of wanted more. I wanted more oinker. I don't know what it was, but I fell in love with him as he was walking up to them. He didn't have to say anything. I was like, I love this guy. This is my favorite character. Yeah, he rents the shoes. Yep, he rents the shoes and his little little hands oink thing. <laughs> I don't think he needed to die because here he was like all helping fucking Ron get like grease and stuff like that. I'm like, why the fuck did you kill him? He helped you out. Yeah, that kind of got me too. But I mean, this film isn't really made to make sense at all. Where, you know, Big Ronnie, he went after those who wronged him. By asking for free drinks or refusing him greasy hot dogs. It's just so weird how that that character met their fate. But the firing squad scene was kind of trippy for me as well. Because they're watching themselves being shot up by a a firing squad. Yeah, this film like kind of goes on the edge of the uncanny valley and then dives head first into it at the end. I almost felt like they didn't know how to end this movie. Yeah. In a way. It was interesting though, the way that they did it once they were killed by the firing squad, that their heads fucking popped open with confetti and then fucking champagne shoots out of it. That's fucking bizarre. Mm-hmm. But it was interesting. I was like, that's okay. That's 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 a good example of using CGI is weird fucking things you can't fucking explain. Yeah. And it was good CGI. Like mm-hmm. the little bit of CGI that was used in this movie was actually quality CGI. Mm-hmm. Look into that, Rob Zombie. Oh, shit. You're going to start a war. I love you, Rob Zombie. But you gotta up your CGI game if you're gonna use it. Or just do practical effects. If I ever... Just do practical effects. <laughs> okay, low-key there, Madeline. Jesus. Um, You know me. I am a hardcore promoter and lover of practical effects. Yeah. It just looks better. And anyone out there who's making a horror movie or thinking about it, practical effects hurt. Like, the audience, if you want them to feel that kill, you gotta do practical effects. Mm-hmm. What else was that? Other than the whole fucking champagne death squad scene, like, they run into the fucking woods and hide, and then, you know, I guess they go attack stuff with pointy sticks. That's the last thing I remember about this goddamn movie. <laughs> they actually filmed that on location. Oh. Which I was convinced that was a green screen. Or Nope. And uh, when I was listening to the commentary, that was actually filmed up on this beautiful mountainscape. And I don't know why, and I don't know if anyone else got the feeling, but I was convinced that this movie was Canadian. 
until I looked it up last year and was like, oh, no, it's American and the whole thing was pretty much filmed in L.A. Yep, filmed in Los Angeles. Yep. But I was convinced it was Canadian, and I don't know why. <laughs> it's got that feel to it, doesn't it? Like, it's not from California, but I feel, um, I don't know. I had little California vibes to it, but mm-hmm. what else? Um, do you have any more notes? Uh, filmed in L.A. Got it. Little things here, like, uh, next to Brayden's bed is Dragon Hymns. Dragon Hymns. Yeah, when they're, when he's, uh, showing Janet all his, um, fantasy, space, amulet, comic book series. Like, this guy is just cringe made into a person. He really (laughs) is. Okay, I wouldn't be shocked if we found out that Brayden was a brony at some point. He just... Like he's oh. the type of guy at the conventions that just stare. You've they seen stare. them. Do. They and stare. They're genuinely sweet, but they are so awkward, and you feel bad for them. Like I like love this character, but it was so hard watching him sometimes, especially when he was trying to be when he was flirting. It was like, oh god. Not late. <laughs> He got he got Punani, so he's you know he's doing something right. And those were the most painful scenes. <laughs> Am I doing it right, Janet? Am I doing it right? You have to tell me if I'm doing it right, Janet. By this point, me would be like, "Where's that sock? I'm put it in your fucking mouth so you could shut the fuck up." And oh no, just... she shut him up by putting her finger up his ass. Oh Jesus Christ! Yeah, that'll shut up any fucking man by sticking a fucking finger up there. Like, I'm like, huh, now I know. Please shut the fuck up. <laughs> Stick my finger up your ass. Yeah. Yeah, um... Don't take that advice. I don't know. <laughs> don't? I wouldn't. Try it. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> this, is, this is why I'm single. <laughs> oh, I... I I'm going to stop saying how much I love this movie. Oh, no. It's a movie you love, and it's like, fuck, let's do it. Let's do an all-greasy Strangler episode. Yeah. It deserves it. It just, it really does. This is, if you have not seen the Greasy Strangler, you have to see it. I have shown this movie to so many people. This is one, this is one of the reasons no one comes to my house. Because if you come to my house. You'll put that on. You know, people come to my place, they see all the movies, they see all the movie posters, they expect to be int- to be shown movies. You're going to see The Greasy Strangler if you haven't seen it yet. It's <laughs> There are people who might be listening to this who've come over and they're like, that bitch is right. She ain't lying. She tied me up to her couch and she made me watch this damn movie. God damn it, Madeline. You know? She made me get up and do the hootie tootie disco cutie dance with her. Just- <laughs> No, but it, it, I really have shown this movie to at least 15 people. Me included, because I can't fucking, I'm like, oh, god damn it, woman. Yep, you included. Uh, what else? Was there, was there any other notes, too? Um, no, I really didn't have a whole lot of notes. The stuff that I have is more me looking into little details of the film, which there are a lot, like, um... Uh, Big Ronnie's mug has Danny the crooner on it. 
played by Carl Solomon. He was in the uh, the disco scene. John Waits' stunt double. Uh-huh. No, he. I don't think he really is. But he could be John Waits' stunt double. And the posters in the background of a few scenes are also of Danny the crooner. Okay, I never knew that. Yeah. And he's the one that opens, in full drag, opens the door for them to get into Oinker's apartment when poor Oinker is... Uh, my favorite characters always die. Oh, R.I.P. Oinker. Yep, R.I.P. Oinker. You will be... Uh, all the victims will be missed. Like, this film is just full of very memorable characters, even if they're only on screen for a few minutes. They have some interesting dialogue. Just, like, the way that they word everything. Just, like, the <laughs> hot dog vendor, just, like, the tourist, how they talk. It's very memorable. Yeah. And the por- the just the potato chip scene. <laughs> oh god that was those three guys i want them to just do a comedy act together i will pay to go see it (laughs) (laughs) i don't know about that i'm like they keep saying potato they keep fucking saying potato that's what he's saying i was impressed that um his name is sam i am going to massacre this poor man's last name disanaic this is he played the indian tourist yeah. He said Porto the same exact way with the same exact expression that many times. Nobody could fucking understand it at all. Which just helped the whole comedy of the scene so well. Oh man, it's so bad. Like I have friends where if I just mention the Greasy Strangler and you'll see this on my Facebook, there's at least three people that will just comment to Porto. <laughs> oh my god and then so in besides the detail of all these other like little tidbits of mm-hmm. the mug and the movie posters was there anything else no all right kiddos that was our episode of an all greasy strangler episode saying that twice I'm so glad to cover this crazy-ass movie, and Madeline is happy as hell to do this as well. I have a big shit-eating grin on my face. No, (laughs) I've got a big grease-eating grin on my face right now. All right. Well, hit us up on IG, and don't forget to send us some love. We'll see you later. Have a great day, folks, and remember, go watch The Greasy Strangler if you haven't already. (laughs) Goodbye. (laughs) Bye. <laughs>